Hi, and welcome to Ear Tours American History. This podcast is to tell stories of American history as told by Doug McCormick, a tour guide and history enthusiast and co-hosted by his daughter, Brianna McCormick, who doesn't remember dates and facts about anything despite being told several times. We hope you enjoy these stories. Let us know if you have any feedback. Thank you for listening. All right, Dad, what are we talking about this time? We're going to talk about James Madison and uh, his preparation for and uh, participation in the Constitutional Convention. Oh, that sounds fun. Well, let me (laughs) preface this by saying uh, there are entire courses and uh, you could spend hours and hours on our constitution and in particular the constitutional convention so there's no way in about 30 minutes that we're going to be able to cover the constitutional convention specifically in detail but what i might be interesting and i go over is madison who is uh, called the father of the constitution uh, talk a little bit about what happened prior to the constitutional convention uh, his preparation Uh, A little bit about uh, his specifics within the convention itself and then some of the follow-up. Okay. So anyway, uh, we, before we get going, uh, there are two main books that I used. I mean, there are many books, obviously, but uh, one particular, it's called James Madison by Richard Brookheiser. And then there's a little, it's an older book, uh, but still relevant. It's called From Sea to Shining Sea by Robert Leckie. Uh, Anyway, those are the two main sources. So without further ado, we'll get started. Just some uh, brief background on on Madison. Uh, Graduated from Princeton in 1771. Uh, he was able to graduate in two years instead of four. It's a smarty pants. Yeah, he's a he's he's got some serious gray matter. That's that's true. Hmm. Um, just quickly, uh, I think it's interesting that most Virginians uh, went to the College of William and Mary there in uh, Williamsburg, but. Madison went to, it was, it was called the College of uh, New Jersey, but uh, became Princeton. Um, and one of the reasons they think that happened was uh, his father was very much upset about Anglican control in Virginia, and in particular, uh, some of the persecution of Anglicans. And... A lot of Americans, and and in the uh, Sea to Shining Sea book, I'll quote uh, from it. It says, Most Americans don't realize that in those pre-revolutionary days, every colony except Maryland had an established religion, that is, a faith supported by the political authority to the exclusion of all others. New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut were congregational, Rhode Island Baptist, etc. Huh. 
So that's an important point. Um, so the way to think of it, of it is, say you're a Lutheran, and say you have to be, a, say in Colorado today, you have to be a Lutheran to be anything in Colorado. Hmm. You know, to be elected, to be a sheriff, to be a, a politician. And also tax money is you, your tax money is used to pay for Lutheran pastors, clergy, etc. Well, I'm glad we got rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's the way it was in pre-revolutionary days. Hmm. Uh, and in particular in Virginia, it was the Anglican Church, the uh, what's now the uh, Episcopal Church, but it was... The, that was the that was the government sponsored religion essentially. So what and, was in New Jersey? Um, New Jersey was because he chose to go to Princeton, right? Yeah, let me look real quick here. It says uh, New York and New Jersey were Dutch Reformed. Oh. Delaware was Lutheran. Pennsylvania was Quaker. Now some of them had religion. Even though that was the established, there were a few of the states that were a little more free on allowing. But uh, Virginia um, was the Anglican. So uh, Madison, after he returns from college, and he spent an extra year at Princeton doing miscellaneous studies. To show you the, how serious his gray matter was, he knew, I think it was French, Greek, uh, even had started to study some Hebrew. He, he was a very smart guy, but he comes back to Virginia and is kind of wondering like, okay, what am I going to be doing? Hmm. Uh, in 1774, one of the first things that seriously got his attention, uh, is he sees Anglican persecution of Baptists in Virginia. If the Anglicans got upset in particular they would persecute some of the protestants hmm. uh, other other protestant religions uh, in in particular in this case the uh baptists so they're a bunch of hypocrites uh in a way yeah i mean but that's you know that was the way life was um okay you know pre-revolution uh Madison himself, as far as religious beliefs, I'm going to quote from the book, uh, the uh, Brookheiser book on James Madison. It said that Madison hardly ever wrote or spoke of his beliefs. Uh, did he have faith? The most he ever said in an ep a letter at the end of his life was that, quote, the mind prefers the idea of an infinitely good, if invisible, God. In this belief, all philosophical reasoning on the subject must perhaps terminate, unquote. Hmm. So while he was a supporter of people being able to decide what religion, he this was an early example of, of one of his where he it seriously got his attention that uh, it wasn't right for there to be government sponsor sponsorship of a particular religion. In this case, Anglican. So what did he do? Uh, well, then time goes on and uh, he, one of his friends from uh, uh, Princeton, uh, whose name was William Bradford, uh, lives in Philadelphia. So he, in 1774, he goes up to visit Bradford. And that's right at the time of a lot of political unrest. Okay, it's just 1774, all the things that are happening with 
taxation without representation, the, the run-up to the American uh, Revolution, all those protests are going on. So he sees that. Um, in December of 1774, he was from Orange County. That's where Montpelier is. Of course, Montpelier was the, the plantation, his family plantation. Uh, Orange County elects a committee. They called it the Committee on Safety. And that committee was chaired by Madison's father. So he's, he's one of the members of that Committee on Safety, which is looking ahead toward what's going on with the, all the things happening and uh, going up to the American Revolution. In April of 1776, uh, Madison is elected to represent Orange County and at the Virginia Convention in Williamsburg. So now the Virginians are actually having a convention. It's just a few months before July of 1776. Uh, May 15th, the Virginia Convention votes to ask the Continental Congress to, to declare American independence. So Madison has now, um, he's in that Virginia Convention, uh, is working with the you know the famous Virginians to uh, support American independence. He is appointed to a committee to draft a Declaration of Rights for Virginia, uh, which was a big deal, being as young as he was. Uh, one of the main members of that committee is a guy named George Mason. Uh, Mason was a brilliant political thinker. He lived not too far from uh, George Washington's uh, Mount Vernon. It was called Gunston Hall. Uh, Mason drafts that Declaration of Rights. Uh, Madison works with him and Madison actually improves the language. And I talk about this a little bit because they talked about religious liberty in this committee for rights. And Madison actually convinces Mason that he can improve the language a little bit. And what he specifically improves is that, and I'll quote here, all men are equally entitled to the full and free exercise of religion. There wasn't any allowing by a, a senior, you know, an elite power or a, a political power structure. This was natural rights everybody's equally entitled to full and free exercise of religion. So Madison has worked with George Mason. Uh, I point this out also because some of the phrases that George Mason used ultimately uh, end up in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Uh, Jefferson's and Mason were brilliant con uh, political thinkers along with Madison. So Madison's uh, recommend, recommendation on the clause of doing away with payments to support the Anglican Church, though, was defeated. So when Madison worked with Mason, he also tried to get them to, to say, oh, by the way, we're not going to pay tax money to support the Anglican clergy. Hmm. That was a... That was a little bit too far for the Virginians at the time. They couldn't, they couldn't 
comprehend. Comprehend, <laughs> like, oh, well, wait a minute, the clergy, how are we going to pay for that? Uh, that'll come up later. Um, now, I'll step through some of these because you can spend a lot of time going through Madison's preparation. Uh, November of 1777, and by the way, Madison's physical situation never really supported him being a soldier in the American Revolution. Um, Wait, why? Because he was short? Well, he was... <laughs> not only was he a pretty slight guy, but that doesn't really um, cause any specific issues because there were a lot of, you know, the, the average height of a, an American Revolution soldier was quite a bit shorter than uh, soldiers that you see today. Uh, he had, he was sick a lot of the time and in fact was a, was a hypochondriac. He kept thinking he, w he was always complaining about he'd have some more sickness and some of them were legitimate. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, though, that he lasted longer than all of the founders, even yeah. though he oh, yeah. he was this hypochondriac, essentially thinking he was always having abdominal problems. And some of them were legitimate, but it's interesting that he lasts well into uh, old age. So he finished drafting all the stuff with the other guy, and he's doing what now? Well, then, okay, so the Virginia Convention votes essentially to support American independence. Mm -hmm. Okay, then later on, November of 1777, the Virginia legislature picks Madison to fill a vacancy on the Virginia Governor's Council. And that uh, the Governor's Council was essentially an advisory committee to the Virginia governor. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that quickly because he advises Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson when they were, were uh, uh, governors of Virginia. And that's where he really starts to uh, interact with Thomas Jefferson and their friendship grows. Hmm. Uh, the legislature then chooses him to be a congressional delegate. So he's in the House of Representatives or the, the, uh, it, was a con it wasn't the House yet because we were still under the Ar Articles of Confederation, but he was a congressional delegate. Uh, he just keeps climbing that con ladder. Continental Congress, yeah, between eight 1780 and 83. Uh, without belaboring it, the reason I'm going through some of this is he. you see that he's he keeps getting chosen for these jobs because he does the, he does the grunt work. He's brilliant. He... Hmm. He is not a good orator, and he... What's an orator? Well, he public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> He's not... When he would speak, hardly... He, people could hardly hear him. Hmm. He was not a forceful... You know, Patrick Henry was this dynamic speaker at the time, forceful. Madison was essentially opposite. But it was interesting that, like, for, when through his career... Madison was always the best prepared and had done his homework and off to the side. He may not give the speech, say, in the House of Burgesses, but every when the speech was over and people want to know what's going on, they come to Madison and everybody's talking to Madison. Like, mm -hmm. how does this work? What do you think? 
you know. So what I'm trying to do up to this point is give you an idea that he keeps getting chosen for these these uh, important posts um, while he's in while he's up in uh, Philadelphia as a congressional delegate. Uh, the Articles of Confederation are ratified in 1781. So we're in the American Revolution. The Yorktown happens October 1781. The Articles of Confederation, which are now how we're running the new United States, even though the, the peace treaty doesn't get signed until 1783. But the Articles of Confederation aren't aren't going to work. And Madison sees the shortcomings. Why? Because Congress has no power to tax. Hmm. All they can do is beg the other states by then, the colonies that have turned into states. Hmm. So can you imagine in the United States Congress today with no power to tax and they have to come to state legislatures and go... <laughs> Please send us money. <laughs> like, you know, no. please spend on no. this. Well, all this, all those colonies that become states have their own agendas. Mm -hmm. There's no unifying authority. Mm. Madison sees he's right in the middle of this. American Revolution so soldiers are not being paid. Mm. Why? Because Congress doesn't have the ability to tax. Mm. There are disputes there become uh, after the revolution is over and we're under the articles configure confederation and there's no ultimate authority all the states are supposed to work together well they all have their own agendas mm -hmm. they're not working together they argue about commerce they argue about the tolls and fees mm -hmm. it doesn't work quick example the potomac river one side of it's Virginia, one side of it's Maryland. Well, who decides how to, what fees and tariffs and everything work? Some of the states don't have ports to the sea. So it's not, but bottom line is it's not working. Mad Madison uh, sees that it's not working when he's in uh, between 1780 and 83. That's when he first starts to work with uh, uh, Hamilton there. Anyway, Hamilton and Madison are trying to get the army paid. Madison learns how things work. He ha learns how to work a system, what processes, how to get, how to explain things to people. He does his homework. He's, he's the guy everybody comes to. So between 1783, the end of the revolution, we're now the United States. We're under the Articles of Confederation. He can't stay as a congressional delegate more than three years. That was a rule in Virginia at the time, no more than three years, every six years or so. So he, he leaves and he goes back to Virginia. He's elected to the Virginia House of Delegates, which is the lower house of the Virginia Assembly. That's in the new capital of Richmond. He helps defeat a bill that they were planning to use tax money for religious education. So to not have the Anglicans be preeminent, Patrick Henry was actually saying, well, let's, let's have tax money and, and use it for education. And then people can decide which, which religion they want to give it to. Well, Madison helps defeat that. And he takes up Thomas Jefferson's uh, 
Virginia statute of religious freedom and gets it passed. Mm. So now Virginia has done away with Anglican, you having to be an Anglican to be any, anything and no longer using tax money. Um, so, but now here's one of the main things, this section when we go through that to remember, Madison has seen the problems with the Articles of Confederation. There's no ultimate authority, uh, ultimate government authority that, you know, it's all a chaos with the states. Um, each state can levy their own tariffs and tolls. There's restraints on trade. There are arguments between the states. Uh, Everyone's and, going insane. Yeah, and things are not working. We've won our freedom from Britain. We're a country, but it's not working. In March of 1785, there was a meeting in Alexandria, Virginia, to specific dis specifically discuss P Potomac navigation. From that meeting, which uh, Madison monitored the results, uh, Virginia then calls for a meeting from all states to consider commercial issues. And that meeting is in Annapolis, Maryland in 17, September of 1786. And this is an important preparation step. Uh, the commissioners decide when, while they're there because they don't get a whole lot of people to show up initially. Uh, there was sporadic support, but it was important because they they do the people that do show up know that they've got a problem and they decide to write a report calling for another meeting, which sounds pretty bureaucratic and non effective. <laughs> but memo, we need another meeting. Yeah, but they send this out and everybody gets it, and everybody kind of at that point goes, you know, uh, yeah. Well, guess what meeting they they uh, are calling for? Hmm. It, it, that The report that they send out from this Annapolis meeting calls for a convention in Philadelphia in May of 1787. That turns out to be the, con the Constitutional Convention. Hmm. So the uh, Annapolis meeting, which Madison and Alexander Hamilton were at, um, they produced the draft and then the, produced the report along with Edmund Randolph, who was an important uh, Virginia uh, legislator, governor. Um, that report said, hey, we're going to have a convention and talk with everybody about these commercial issues in Philadelphia in May of 1787. Hmm. So the convention preparations specifically that Madison did, he's, he spent a number of months studying the fundamentals of government. Uh, Jefferson is over in France at this time, being Minister of France. Jefferson sends him over 200 books from Paris on government. Um, and Madison comes to the conclusion that there is an absence of compelling and legitimate authority, and that's what has to be solved. Did he read all 200 books? He not only read those, probably those 200 books, but he was such a serious, he had such serious gray matter. He had his own library. Hmm. 
and he remembered what he read and he he stripped it down and did a fundamental review of basically the history of human beings attempts to for government and said they were all crap well he he saw which ones didn't work Okay. And why they didn't work. <laughs> so he's done his bottom line is he, the way to remember it is he's done his homework mm -hmm. and he knows an amazing amount about government. The Virginia Assembly s approves the support of this meeting in May of 1787 in Philadelphia. There, uh, the assembly picks Edmund Randolph. Uh, Patrick Henry, George Mason, Madison, and George Washington. So that was the Virginia delegation. Amazing political insights, uh, all of them. Madison actually has to convince Washington to attend, but Washington finally agrees to attend. Why was he retired? Yeah, Washington was like, hey, I've... <laughs> I've given my life. I've given done. my life to getting the you know this country started, you know, and I've I've done quite a bit in the last, you know I'm looking to kind of relax a little bit, but Madison convinces him, no, you are the the man. Mm -hmm. Essentially, we have to have you there. Um, Madison has an agenda. He has an idea of what, how he wants the convention to go. He arrives in Philadelphia. He's the first delegate to arrive. He gets there on May 3rd. The convention's scheduled to start on May 14th, so he's there 11 days early. <laughs> that um, seems excessive. The convention, yeah. The convention, well, he's a, he's a bookworm. He's a, he's an intellectual. Um, he's, uh, but he does his homework and it's interesting the convention doesn't have a quorum until may 25th dad what's a quorum quorum means we have enough people that we can start doing business here <laughs> okay. now you know they were all supposed to be there on may 14th the people that did show up on may by may 14th were irritated at the ones that didn't get there until may 25th wait so they all had to wait till the 25th that's right to get enough people to where they can go okay we have enough people to start doing this those now. were the cool kids who arrive yeah a little later to the party yeah well or the ones that were very kind of suspect about like well what are you know what are you trying to pull over on us mm. here that kind of thing I see. interestingly at the constitutional convention out of the 13 colonies that had become states, there were never more than 11 states there at once. Hmm. So there were there was some coming and going. Um, now, Madison wants the Virginians to be all on the same page. So he uses that time prior to the 25th to get them all on the same page. Uh, now, because he's not a good speaker... He gets Edmund Randolph to offer 15 res when they kick the convention off. He gets Edmund Randolph to to actually get up and speak and offer 15 rev resolutions, and those were known as the Virginia Plan. So that's what's a resolution? Well, in other words, 15 resolutions. How are the Articles of Confederation aren't working? What are we going to come up with? So they're instead? just 15 ideas. Yeah. So these are fundamentally Madison's ideas, but he has convinced the rest of the Virginians that, hey, this is the way we ought to go. 
Mm -hmm. um, and the Virginia, and I'm quoting from the Brookheiser book now, the Virginia plan calls for a national government of multiple branches, a two-house legislator, an executive, and a judiciary. And then it goes on to say the lower house of the legislature was to be elected by the people in a proportional vote. The lower house then chose the upper house. The whole legislature would then choose the executive and the judiciary. The constitution was to be ratified not by the state legislature, but by state conventions. Hmm. So that was Madison's thought. And there were what alternately happened was a New Jersey plan and the New Jersey plan they were the smaller states that felt like they were going to be run over they still wanted equal representation in a one-house Congress so if you remember anything there was a Virginia plan and then there was a New Jersey plan and the fundamental difference was how much the states as as opposed to uh, popular vote, how how much do the states, the smaller states, eventually get to uh, still have some input and not be rolled over? And by the way, if you look at the newspapers and the online today, what do you think is happening on, in Colorado with the national popular vote? <laughs> so this is an issue that, that's, that is there to this day. But the point I want to make really, when you think of... James Madison at the Constitutional Convention, his strength was his persistence. He attends every session of the convention, every one of them. And well, how many of them were there? Well, there were like three or four a day oh. for from May to September. Now, yeah. I might be off a little bit there, but that's a lot. Yeah, but he was the man that was there. There was only one other. There was a James Wilson of Pennsylvania who was with Madison. Uh, Wilson, an important player in the Constitutional Convention, he was able to explain th things clearly also. But Madison was persistent, and he was the one that was prepared. And when people wanted to know well, how did this work over in this situation? How did this work here? Madison had this memory back and he had done his homework for, for looking at how mankind governed itself. So, and then the other main thing is he keeps notes. Madison, so as, as tough as it was to go to all these sessions, what does he do at the end of the day? He doesn't go out and party. He sits down right away and makes notes of what happened that day, <laughs> detailed notes. <laughs> and what we know to this day about what happened, because they were behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. There was, nobody could go out and talk about anything to any of the population. At the Constitutional Convention, they all kept this in-house. <laughs> so Madison's notes later were detailed, and that's how we know to this day really what went on. Interesting. Okay, so... Anyway, um, there's back and forth between the Virginia plan and the New Jersey plan. Finally, they on July 2nd, they choose a committee of 11, 11 to offer a compromise. Madison's not picked for that committee. The compromise is 
there's one house that's proportional to the population. You might notice that today is our House of Representatives. The other house, each state has an equal vote. Guess what? That's the Senate. Mm -hmm. And that happens to this day. So why does Delaware, a small state, Rhode Island, a small state, have two senators and California has two senators? Mm -hmm. Well, it goes all the way back to the Constitutional Convention and this compromise. So why was Madison not picked for that committee? Um, he, I, that's a good question. I can't say specifically from my research, but I think if I was going to hazard a guess, I would say it was because he was so involved with the Virginians and with the Virginia plan. They may have just wanted some, some people that were more ob objective to say, okay, look at these two and let's you all come up with this compromise. But that's a good question. Um, the other thing, by the way, real quickly, I, I haven't mentioned slavery, but that was a, a fundamental of the Constitutional Convention that could have derailed it. Uh, the, the House proportional vote and this controversial to this day and, and people use it as, because the slave states, the southern states, wanted their slaves counted, every one of them. Well, for the what? Northerners looked at it and said, Wait, they want them counted for what? As part of the population. But they didn't want them to vote. But they didn't want them to vote. Oh, well, isn't that backwards? <laughs> that's, ex that's right. Then the Northerners said, you're trying to have it both ways. You're, you're trying to get more representation because of a bigger population. But yet you're not letting, you're treating the, that population as slaves and you're not letting them vote. No. Yeah. So the compromise was three-fifths. They said each slave is worth three-fifths. Now. Which is awful. Which but... is awful. But if you look at it like from, if you would have said, well, each slave counts as a person. Well, then now the South would have had even more political power because they have more representation in the House. But they're not letting those people that <laughs> are slaves vote. Yeah. So, it, so they came up with three. Fifths. So they yeah. So that was there was the back and forth. Uh, well. Anyway, so geez. and the other thing, by the way, uh, which I we're not in the interests of time. We're not going to talk about the electoral college, but the electoral college that came, the constitutional convention that came up with that, so that the president is not picked by a, the uh, national vote it's it's the it comes back again to the states uh, having the smaller states not being rolled over by the bigger states hmm. and what's going to be on our you know in a couple months here but the uh, national popular vote issue here in uh, Colorado hmm. so these are issues that are still there to this day um, so at the end of the convention Madison hasn't gotten all that he wants, but he's he has earned his essentially the father of the Constitution because of all his preparation and and uh, information. Hmm. The Constitution is is ratified by a convention in each state, not by the state legislatures. Uh, you have to get nine states to ratify it. Um, and there are some books uh, 
that you can go and read that go into detail about the, the ratification conventions with each state, but it was important that the three largest states, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Massachusetts, uh, ratify it. So Madison then uh, becomes part of the Virginia ratifying convention. Uh, they have lots of and conventions. also he, because Hamilton sees that up in New York, they're having newspaper articles being written that are anti-constitutional and they're being effective. Hamilton decides to have a pro-constitutional media campaign. So he gets John Jay and Madison to help him write articles defending what they've come up with at the Constitutional Convention. And these are called the Federalist Papers. So essentially the Federalist Papers explained how the government was going to work under this new constitution. Uh, Hamilton writes 51 of the articles, Madison writes 29 of them, and John Jay writes 5. Wow. So Madison helps with the Federalist Papers. He's in the Virginia Ratifying Convention. Uh, Patrick Henry is against this constitution, but Madison at the Virginia Ratifying Convention is able to explain each clause because he was in the middle of it all, took the copious notes, he knew what happened. Uh, the biggest controversy, or one of them, was the, was the discussion for the need of a Bill of Rights. Um, George Mason, who was part of the uh, delegation was against the Constitution because he didn't think that there was enough delineation of the citizens' rights and wanted advocated for the need for a Bill of Rights. Madison ultimately comes around and agrees with that, but Madison says we can't derail things right now. What we're going to do is once the government starts and Congress gets in session under the new government, we will, we will get a Bill of Rights passed. So Virginia ratifies the Constitution by a vote of 89 to 79. Then Madison wins election to the, the new House of Representatives. And as a member of the House, he helps get the Bill of Rights passed. Uh, there were, he initially offers or supports and gets uh, gets the whole process rolling on 12 amendments. Uh, first two were, di were disapproved, but amendments 3 to 12 become uh, the first through the 10th amendment of the Constitution, and that's what we know today as the Bill of Rights. Uh, so Madison's efforts in shepherding the Bill of Rights through um, kills opposition to the Constitution because there were some of the states were like, well, yeah, we we agree with this, but we want to change this or we want to change that. And Madison knew it's like, no, we got to get things going and then we'll work the Bill of Rights. And he came through. Uh, so now our First Amendment, the Second Amendment through the Tenth Amendment that we are, you know, some of our fundamental freedoms um, that was Madison's efforts also. And so he came up with them just from all of his research. He just said, well, I know I need to He wasn't this. the only one because there were, 
there were quite a number of other important players on this process, but he was the consistent one, and he was the one that, when in the House of Representatives when it first kicked off, that got the whole process going for the Bill of Rights. And I want to, I'll finish and then I'll open it. We'll talk maybe some questions that you might have. But um, let me quote from the Brookheiser book here again on James Madison. It says, but producing the Constitution took more than five months in Philadelphia. It also took three years in Annapolis and New York and Richmond. At every major stage, the Annapolis Convention, the Philadelphia Convention, writing the Federalist, fighting for ratification of Virginia, writing the Bill of Rights, Madison was a major player. He dealt with all the other major players, Washington, Hamilton, Morris, Wilson. He kept Jefferson informed and on board. And sometimes he was wrong or stubborn, but these are fly specks against his patience and energy, learning and savvy. Hmm. So anyway, that's, um, we are all Americans, uh, lucky that Madison was there and played the role that he did. He certainly earned his, um, his name as the father of the Constitution. Yes, there were quite a number of others that were very important in the Constitutional Convention besides him, but he was kind of the glue, the one that everybody went to. And uh, anyway, that's just a quick, uh, a quick discussion of how the Constitutional Convention came about and, and Madison's, uh, Madison's background for it. Well, I didn't realize he was such a nerd. <laughs> yeah, he was a nerd, but uh, like we Effective talked in nerd. our first discussion, uh, it's amazing to me that he was, here's this bookish nerd who's like five feet, four inches or whatever, <laughs> gets Dolly Madison to marry him because she was like the complete opposite of him. Miss Social Butterfly. You know, she was the social butterfly. How I Like... <laughs> Sometimes you want to go, Dolly, what, what did you really see here? What, uh, you know, this guy wasn't the most exciting guy. And he was, what was there, 16 or 17 years difference in their age? Oh, boy. She was like 26 when they got married, and Madison was 43. Yeah. Madison, one of the reasons Madison had all this time to do all this was he, he was a bachelor until he was 43. So he... <laughs> He, he had more than enough time on his hands. Yeah, he had time on his hands. So. Oh, how funny. So. Well, thanks, Dad. Okay. I next... didn't remember any of that from my school. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, we'll, or the last one we'll do uh, here on Madison, will be uh, the slave that was with him for most years or almost 20 years of his life and uh, got his freedom and then eventually when he moved to Washington DC with his freedom helped out Dolly when she didn't have a whole lot of money toward the end of her life. What was the slave's name? Uh, Jennings, Paul Jennings. Ah. So we're going to talk about uh, the last uh, will be all about what happened there and what okay. happened to Jennings. So. Awesome. Well, okay. thanks. See you next time.
Thank you.